0: Welcome back to the CEO course guys. I'm Raheem. Now welcome back to season three. What a start we have had with the episode with chrono last week. I hope you all enjoyed that. If you haven't seen it, make sure you go check it out now. Now today's episode's a completely different one. It's going to be one that when you hear his story, you're going to be very inspired and motivated to get up with your ass right now after the podcast and make a killing for yourself.
1: Today, I'll have you introduce yourself. Well, first of all, Raheem, thank you so much for having me. Uh, we had a nice cigar before this. Yeah. enjoyed some of the torrential London rain. <laughs> but um, my name is Iman Gadji. I am, I don't know where do I start. Um, entrepreneur. Uh, 21 years old. So I, I was saying, Raheem was like, how do I introduce him? I'm like, well, you can say that I'm the first guest who's still going through puberty. So there's that. <laughs> um, yeah, started a few companies. My main one is uh, I was saying to you is about as exciting as having an accounting firm. I uh, run an advertising agency, been doing that for the past five years. And from that has spawned a few other businesses, a software company for agency owners, as well as an education platform for agency owners, um, as well as, actually I should have worn them today, as we make, um, I have an e-commerce brand as well, and we make these uh, fun little blue light blockers. What's that? Uh, blue light blockers. Yeah. Yeah. They're, um, you know, when you're on your desk and especially at night. So uh, I'm sure you've seen some of the hue lights. Yeah. It's funny because like whenever I have uh, a girl come over to the house, all my all the lights in my house uh turn red, like oh, fully red automatically yeah, yeah. at seven thirty. Get it a little bit romantic and, and stuff. No, and, and girls come in and they're like, so why the red lights? I'm like, You you want the real answer or you, you want the cool answer? And like, give me the the real answer. And I'm like, Well, red is the lowest Kelvin on the light spectrum. Yeah. Um, so it helps in melatonin production. So yeah, I'm a big like sleep junkie. Obviously, I was mentioning to you at uh at the cigar lounge, um, one of my sort of first big early clients was a uh, company called aura ring yeah um so for the past four years religiously i've been tracking my sleep um in the nine months a year i'm very on point with my sleep in the three months a year that i'm very not on point with my sleep yeah, yeah, yeah. um so yeah know the blue eye blockers they they help you um you know especially if you're working before bed uh you know i've got uh a flux and i've got all these things on on my devices but yeah. nonetheless i'm very uh OCD when it comes to not letting any blue light in before bed.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. Now, um, yeah, so I just want to let people know I don't usually smoke cigars, but you know what? When Iman invited me for it, (laughs) I was just like, you know what? Let's go for it. Now, I want to start this podcast off on a powerful note. You said you're very transparent. Mm -hmm. No holding back on any questions. So I'm going to jump straight to this on a very powerful note so that people know what levels we're working with. Google told me that your net worth is $25 million. Mm
1: -hmm. Is that true? Well, I mean, here's the thing, right? Like, I think net worth is a bit of a BS number. Because mm. um, at the end of the day, usually network uh, net worth also consists of what you could sell your companies for. And, you know, I was mentioning yeah. to you earlier, um, you know, my agency, it can't really be sold, in my opinion. My education company, it couldn't really be sold. I guess if you take sort of the multiples you could sell it for, I could sell my education company and my agency combined probably around 50 million but no one's going to give me that. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas the new agency software, obviously the the play with that is to sell it within five years for, um, you know, anywhere from 50 to a few hundred million. Um, I think for me, the best sort of uh, estimation as to, or, or the most honest answer is, hey, if I had two weeks to sell all my stuff, how much could I have in my bank account? Yeah. Um, and that would be close to around 10. So around 10 million, yeah not as impressive it's still very impressive considering you're only howard
0: because i think you mentioned that in your introduction yeah 21 21 years old mm. and you could be worth 10 million in two weeks time if you sold everything and mm. pretty much packed up
1: it's okay yeah.
0: <laughs> we'll get to the pack up bit in later on because you're actually moving to the buy in about a week or two in the most literal sense yeah yeah literally yeah so uh, we'll get to that later on but i want to start like mm. where this all started for people who follow your youtube journey Mm-hmm. they might know but for the people who are you know average followers of ceo costs, they might mm-hmm. actually not know mm-hmm. who you are what you do so like you mentioned you've got four businesses mm-hmm. mentioned software education and the agency mm-hmm. what's the other one uh
1: the e-commerce brand, oh, yeah, the the, e-commerce brand. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah so for the people who don't on, on, understand what a agency is mm-hmm. what is it you're referring to and what is it exactly do for your clients
1: yeah so basically what we do at my agency is uh, we work with large e-commerce brands and education companies. And sort of our philosophy is pretty simple. 90% of our revenue uh, comes in from performance. So, you know, we'll have clients coming to us, you know, already used to spending 100k a month, bringing back in 250k a month, and they want to get to a million a month. Yeah. So in instances like that, we'll take a small base, uh, we'll take a small base fee. And then um, what we do these days is if historically, they have a track record of bringing back 100k, or let's say historically they have a track record to bring in 150k a month, yeah. Um, return on ad spend, then we'll go the first 150k we make you. You've already done that yourself, like we don't need to take a cut of that, yeah, yeah, for sure. So we'll take a little 20% margin of safety. So we'll say the first 120 we make you is is on us, um, and then from there, we'll take anywhere from on the low end, two percent on the high end, especially if it's some education companies where you know there's no, um. Costs of goods sold um, will take sometimes even up to 15, 20%. But it's usually for e-commerce business, anywhere from 2 to 5% yeah. of whatever we make them on ads minus the ad spend. Um, so yeah, I mean, with some of our clients, we've got, you know, some of our clients, we make them a million a month return on ad spend. And, you know, if you're even taking 2 3% of that and you have a few, you know, you've got 10, 15 clients, it starts to starts to add up. So. so what's your monthly income look like? Um, well, as I was mentioning to you this year, it's been a little, this year, it's been a little skewed. Um, and because I've got these various businesses, so we've got something like gradancy where, um, you know, we were talking about how it's at the end of the day, it's a real, it's a business that is fulfilling to me and it's something that gets me excited. Like I'll be honest, and I've said this for years and I was, you know, I'll say this even to my clients, like my agency is not something where I'll be on my deathbed and I'm like, I'm so grateful that I've managed to build, literally the most boring business on earth. But what that business allows me to do is allows me the free cash flow to then invest. And in. basically my agency is a thing that kind of pays for my lifestyle. Yeah. Um, It's that pays for my lifestyle and allows me to put that into investments. Uh, the education company will make a lot of money very soon, but I've put a lot of money into R&D. We just built a custom platform. So, you know, um, custom platform, custom community, custom tools, uh, so that costs a lot of money over the last year and a half. Um, so as I said, each business kind of has a different purpose, but usually on any month, it'll be anywhere from a hundred to 300 K a month profit. Um, but as I said, this year has been a little skewed because as I said, I had a lot of cash over the last few years. I mean, I'm obviously I'm very young, but, uh, you know, I've been running my business for five years. Yeah. Um, so I had a good few million and kind of stockpiled and, uh, and last year or so I went very heavy on investments and, um it's a little less now but uh, the first 5 months this year uh every single month i made a million million a month from my uh investments mainly in cryptocurrencies um a million a month <laughs> a million so um yeah i'd say probably pre-tax this year i'll, I'll do 10 mm. um so it's been a good year and the thing that inspires me the most we'll talk about because you
0: started you said it when you were 16 years old yeah things that inspired me the most was your whole stir- uh, your whole journey sorry mm-hmm. so i think Let's go all the way back. Mm. Let's go back to Russia mm.
1: and let's talk about where it all began for you. Yeah, for sure. So, um, so yeah, go on. Yeah, basically, um, I mean, Khabib's done a lot for me to explain where I'm from. Before, <laughs> yeah. before, before Khabib, um, you know, no one really knew where Dagestan is. I'm from a place called Dagestan, Russia. Yeah. Um, on so, both sides, my mom's side as well as my biological father. Um, so easiest way to explain it for anyone who doesn't know what. You know, Dagestan is like, it's like the movie Borat, except not in Kazakhstan, in Russia. Like literally, um, you know, my grandma's home, which is where I grew up for the first four years of my life. There's no toilet. You like, you come outside the house and my grandfather built the house with his own two hands. You come outside, you take a right, you take another right. You probably go down 15 meters, 20 meters uh, pass the chickens, pass the cows, pass all the, uh, the you know uh, all the crops and all the vegetables, um, and then you go in this little hut. You open it, and you squat down, you do your business. And
0: what if what if someone's in there?
1: Um, no, discreet. no, you'll know. You know, there's a lock. There's okay, a lock. Okay. Um, we're not that bar- barbaric. <laughs> um, so you know, it really. I had a very. I was saying to you earlier, like I had a very interesting, like. The, There was such a juxtaposition in my childhood because, you know, I grew up in Russia for the first four years of my life. And then single mom, as I mentioned to you, my uh, father was an alcoholic abusive. Um, So, you know, he wasn't really in the picture, you know, uh, thank God my mom had the bravery to to leave when she did. This is your biological father, yeah? Yeah, my biological father. Um, Mm. So... While this is all happening, my mom's, you know, my mom's a very young mom, um, you know, working three jobs. So kind of my uh, my grandmother and my grandfather uh, raised me. Um, anyways, my mom is in Moscow on a, a little work trip and uh, she ends up meeting my stepdad or who was then to become my stepdad. They date for a year and a half and um, they even trial, you know, she comes to London for six months. And, you know, they trial living together, you know, things are getting serious. They end up marrying and, uh, you know, it was meant to be this whole like picture perfect story where this Russian village boy moves to London and my stepfather was very wealthy. So, you know, I go from having nine black and white channels to 999 color channels. I go from having, you know, no toilet to, you know, having a toilet. to having a toilet, Probably you having know,
0: two or three in the house.
1: Having, having, yeah, yeah, three, you know, um, you know, and moving to Chelsea, you know, and uh, I actually went to private school. So it was I mean shit if by the age of 5 or 6 the story ended there it would have been a picture perfect tale but um you know very quickly that marriage kind of deteriorated um so long story short my stepdad stayed with my mom uh for some tax benefits uh he claimed a non-tax residency um in the UK and um because we were here he was able to still have a quite a few properties and whole complicated stuff anyways Long story short. So there was a benefit for him to stay within the marriage. Yeah, that was a benefit for him. Uh, Benefit for me and my mom was we lived in what was, or, you know, towards the end definitely was a a very broken home. I kind of mentioned to you earlier, you know, in the last three years that I was in my childhood home, there was no uh, warm water, like there was no heating, no warm water. And um, I said my uh, stepdad was very... Complicated character. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he found out I was building a business, he actually cut the Wi-Fi. <laughs> so, uh, funny enough, that's actually why I'm still with Three, the service provider. Back in 2015, they had a thing where um, for 25 pounds a month, they would let you do like unlimited hotspots. Yeah. Um, so yeah, funny enough, six years on, that's that's still why I'm with them. Uh, I used to just hotspot off my phone, and uh, <laughs> yeah, as I said, unfortunately, there's uh, there's no Wi-Fi. He was uh, said quite a
0: complicated character. So, how long were you in London for until you know things? It Became a bit
1: of a broken home within mm. your family, so um, it was probably things were uh, they definitely weren't perfect, um, but it wasn't unbearable, you know, probably until the age of like probably until like nine or ten. And then, uh, when I was 11 years old, he cut us off fully. Um, and as I said, you know, I saw some things that you probably shouldn't see when you're that young, and you know, just I there's just a, some, I mean, there's a lot of stuff I really block out, but there's you know some vivid memories i remember when i was um i remember when i was eight years old there's a ring on the uh, home phone i pick it up i'm like hello i'm like hi this is um london escorts something along those lines and i was like oh hi like in my little kid voice like uh hi we're looking for uh, you know um we're looking to reach mr so-and-so yeah and uh i remember i put the phone down my mom goes who is that uh who was that?" i was like oh it's london escorts and my uh, stepdad was coming back from a business trip and um and uh yeah you know he only ever spent like three months a year in london so he really wasn't around that much and i remember i told him i was like oh it was london escorts and uh, uh there's no surprise but there was a little bit of sadness in her face and i was like no, no you don't understand like and i i had a rough understanding even at that age of what that meant yeah I, I was like no you don't understand like they escort like they escort him from like the airport to like the house like the it's like a driving company. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so as I said, you know, I had to, I grew up very quick in a lot of ways. Um, but things were bearable until I was like 10 or 11. And then as I said, when he cut us off fully, um, you know, the next five, six years were quite tough. So when he cut you off, were you still living in Chelsea or did you have to move up? No, still living. Still, still living in there. Chelsea. Okay, then. Yeah. Um, as I said, that was kind of our... Two benefits is we got to live in Chelsea, yeah. uh, although a very broken home uh, in the most literal sense. I mean, things are like caving in, it had been refurbished for 20 years. Um, and as I said, I got to go to private school, yeah. which was, you know, although I, as I said, I still block out a lot of stuff from that period of my life. It's, um, I mean, it was, I look back and it all makes sense and it's all like, wow, I could not have been any better suited for where I am today You know, going to private school and um, seeing how the wealthy people operate um, and how they carry themselves, but then coming home and having that fire of like, you know, it's so funny as well. Like, I, people always try to discredit people who come from good families. Mm. Like, they're like, oh, yeah, but he comes from a good family. I actually think that's more impressive. Like, as in, if you actually go out and make something for yourself, you know, you don't just get a job from your father's connection.
0: they, They always say people are hungry. Like, they always say people who come from the bottom are mm. the most hungry. Exactly. Which is obviously impressive. Mm. But then people who are hungry who come from good families and good homes and, you know, they let's just say they're financially stable. Mm. If
1: they're hungry and they're mm. going out there to do something for themselves. I think that is so incredibly impressive. And by the way, like, let alone like stable. I mean, like, if you come from a very wealthy family where you don't really need to work to get the benefits of what, you know, building a business or you're building up your career this or that, um, you know. Uh, provides for you I I said I think that's very impressive so you know looking back it all was kind of perfect uh, because as I said I went to private school so I said I got to see I got to see how these people operate and I knew it was all like I always knew it was possible you know like people ask me all the time they're like you know would did you ever imagine you'd be here I'm like a hundred like I'd be like look I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't like I knew for a fact and not like you know, I would have a moderately like I knew for a fact I would be worth tens, hundreds, billions. Like I'm a little, I'm ten years quicker than what I anticipated my timeline would be. Yeah, but I always knew. Um,
0: just and, just a quick one there. When you were in private school, were there other kids wealthy or? no super well
1: yeah yeah. no i I think i went to the most expensive private school non-boarding because i said (laughs) because uh my stepdad uh obviously when uh him and my mom were on good terms you know he was i mean he was very yeah i mean i've dealt with you know i've been in some very intense rooms with some very successful people to this day he's still probably the only person on earth that scares the shit out of me like this man is insanely charming insanely intelligent like the most intelligent person I've ever met yeah Um. so yeah you know they had a very just extremely charming man um, so they had a great marriage and, and said you know uh, I ended up going to school from the age of like four years old um, and then just ended up staying there uh, all the way up until the age of 17 when I dropped out um, so yeah no I mean I went to school with literally like billionaires kids um, you know super wealthy elite Etc. Etc. et cetera. So it was a, it was a very weird experience um, in many ways. How do you think the, you know, hanging around
0: the billionaires, because they mm. obviously become your friends, mm. hanging around billionaire people, mm. much wealth, wealthy people, mm. and then you have a wealthy stepdad as well. Mm. How did that, do you think that shaped your future?
1: A hundred percent. And so how? yeah one hundred percent, because to me, it wasn't money wasn't ever really like this big thing or mm-hmm. it wasn't this unattainable thing. and one of the actually, one of the most interesting things for me was going to my friends' one of the most interesting things for me was going to my friend's parents' house and seeing that they, although they had all this external stuff, they had the same level of happiness as going back home to my mom, who used to hide the bank statements from me because she knew how like, I couldn't sleep all night. I would just think like I'd be 13 years old. I'm like, I need to do something. Um, and that was, that was also a very interesting lesson for me because I think, you know, when you come into money at a young age, like you really, a lot of people go off the rails and, you know, I've had my phases where I go very crazy and this and that, but I've always, I've been very sensible um, mm. with, with all the, with the moderate level of success that I've achieved and, um, you know, the things that I do have available to me and, um, and as I said, I think for me that's because I always knew. And you, all, I always say like anyone who's like, oh, you know, anyone who goes, uh, oh, money won't make you happy. I'm like, yeah, that is the truest truth in life. But if you haven't experienced it, you can't really say it, you know. Um, so I always say you have to go through a paradigm to understand it. And um, it's something I still had to go through. But luckily, like I knew, I saw it. Like I saw it in my friend's parents. Like they mm. weren't fucking happy. They were miserable it was so obvious so they're miserable and then i'm going home to my mom and she's miserable and i'm like this money changes nothing so let me,
0: I th- let me ask you there now mm. 21 years old mm. you've got quite a bit of money mm. what's your take on it does does it make you happy or? not at all no
1: no 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 i'd say that by far the biggest
0: because you're now experiencing it yourself yeah
1: no the 100 no, the, the biggest you know i look back and i'm like my honestly my happiest times um or I wouldn't say my happiest times, but I'd say my most present times, like where I just felt like the most, and by the way, this is also, I will say this is a reflection on me. Like this is something I still, and I've done a lot of work on it, but I still need to get way better at this. Like I need to be way more grateful for what I have around me and I need to be more cognizant of it and like present to the moment. And I do a lot of work around that, but it's still, I still need to remind myself, but like, you know, it's funny. I was actually saying to uh, my assistant the other day, like uh, she, you know, I never, ever hire friends, but she's the the one exception, you know, she's been a close friend of mine for six years. And, um, you know, I was actually talking to her about like, just some of the memories like, w- you know, we had growing up and I was like, man, those were like the fucking happiest times, you know? Um, and the issue with money is it's just like, a, it's a never ending game, you know? And you've got someone who just bought a 20 million $20 million yacht. And they're looking at the guy who has a $50 million yacht. Um, and they want that one. Yeah. And it's, it's always, and then, you know, look, you can always play the, who has a bigger dick competition and someone will always have one. Right. And you know, as inc- well, then I, su- I suppose it's good in a way, because then it pushes you harder to mm. make sure you can go and get that. I think as long as you, as long you can, you're right. You can play the game just as long as you're aware that it, can really suck you in and it yeah you know and as long as you know that and as long as you know that look if i'm at x amount and i start making x it's not gonna fucking change anything like i can tell you honestly it's not gonna change anything um now on the flip side if you have no money and you have you don't have any financial means um then obviously that causes its own world of stress but man like i'd say like honestly when you're just making like when you're just making like 50 60k a year 100k a year like i'd say those are like the happy because you're just so appreciative of like everything um and as i said i i will say um that is also probably a reflection on some more work that i need to do uh Mm. in terms of being more grateful and really like embodying that as much as i already try to um but yeah as i said it's it's tough like when like let me put it this way you i there's nothing material that could give me pleasure anymore like because when you and fair enough, you know, I can't buy the yachts I want to buy and I couldn't buy, well, actually, then again, yeah, probably I could buy any car that I want. Um, So when you know that, it kind of takes the joy away from stuff. Yeah. So it's like, you know, like, like, I man, I remember like, even just, I remember even just being like 16 and like, you know, buying a 60 pound Kindle and like, you know, checking on Amazon, like seeing how far away it is and it comes and like, I open it so slowly and I like, it's like my prized possession in this and that and like, you know, when you, when the whole world opens up to you financially, like it, that's a part of your life that you never really get enjoyment from ever again. Yeah. Um. Apart from, you know, things that are sentimental or things that really bring a lot of value to your life. Um. So yeah, you know, I, I really genuinely, and uh, you know, I'm not just saying this because as I said, i you know, as we go through this podcast, I'll probably say stuff that people think are, is insane. Um because as you know as I said I'm a very blunt person um, yeah I'm really not just saying like this it really is um, something where it just that magic wears off 100%
0: <clears throat> now I think this is the point in the podcast where as we're talking about money we've got to kind of get a deeper background understanding of how you earn your money mm. earlier on you mentioned that when you started your first business your stepdad turned the wi-fi off mm. <laughs> so what was the business that you had going for you at the
1: time and you were what, 16 then 16 at the time so basically you know the way that i fell into the agency world was i didn't fucking realize i had an agency like my whole sort of entrepreneurial journey started when i was 14 years old and um i was a bit of i could have i'm sure been a very like cool kid in school but i was a bit of an outcast you know i would you know uh basically from the age of 14 to 17 i read a book a week yeah um and that was probably the most pivotal aspect of my journey especially because at that time you know me being 21 and looking at everything around me I do still have some ego and I still have like a oh but I'll listen to this but I'm not gonna listen like you know there's something called zen beginner's mind you know when I was 14 like it was like oh the book says do the book says meditate so I'm gonna meditate the book says go to the gym so I'm gonna go to the gym um you know and I just like absorbed everything like a sponge so You know, when I was fourteen, I was reading all of these books, and I felt so isolated in school, right? Because I'm a fourteen-year-old kid, and no one really—I mean, I will say—I, you know, all. Be right back. (laughs) (laughs) I think that is You, you. You want to open the top one? Uh well ones for the Josh the top one is uh the new G ones, oh, really? yeah, uh, on so yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, is that your products?
1: Yes, yeah. Let me see. I think this is a new uh oh, summer capsule. Oh, so is it okay? We're doing a limited run. Yeah yeah you can actually i'm sure you can leave this in the podcast so, yeah we'll get a live reaction of have you haven't seen this before yourself uh not in not in person it's the first time we've gone in the so yeah so these are the um uh, blue light blockers that i was telling you about so these are limited run summer capsule so there we go we're going for a colorful look as a limited
0: run you want me to try them out yeah go for it <laughs>
1: I oh. can't see myself I do not look
0: You lot told me <laughs> You look yeah. suave You look suave I think I need to
1: try the We'll, we'll get you We'll get you A more muted colour Yeah I need We'll, I we'll need get that. you some matte blacks That's I mean it. Yeah no these are These are tough to pull off These are good quality though Oh insane Yeah Dude, Insane honestly How much you
0: sell these for? Uh, 85 That's not bad at all
1: Yeah 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 No it's Slick huh? Yeah Man <laughs> Yeah these uh, wow, well, These are Intense. Anyways, let's get back to the podcast. (laughs) Cheers. All right. Well, I don't know how this is going to be edited,
0: but basically, we were talking Amazon Parcel Come, and uh, here we are.
1: There we go. (laughs) Yeah. uh,
0: Um, What I was going to ask you is uh, regarding the books. mm -hmm. What made you want to pick up your first book at fourteen years old? Because it's unlike a fourteen-year-old to think, you know, I'm going to start reading. And mm -hmm. I'm guessing the type of books you were reading were all, you know, self-help books. Yeah. I mean, I was,
1: as I said, I was eight years old, and I, at the age of eight years old, I mean i mean first of all i've always been a big reader i was and fair enough that's also because um said my uh, stepdad was a very complicated character so by the age of eight i was like i had to read the entire dickens works like uh fucking mayor of casterbridge i've read that like 12 times micro when you say he was complicated are you basically saying he used to make you read these books he was a full-blown psychopath like insane dude um yeah no i used to have to read those i used to have to like you know, I remember um, I was even like five years old and I uh, I dropped the fork, got locked out of the house for a few hours. Mm. Like I remember uh, that, or I said I would, cause you know, uh, he grew up, um, you know, he went to boarding school, very strict uh, from the age of three years old. So, um, you know, discipline was a big thing for him. Um, so yeah, I said, uh, if I dropped the fork, I'd get locked in the garage for a few hours and I'd be fucking banging the door, like, you know, begging to let me out. Um, so as I said, it was a quite intense, quite intense upbringing. Yeah, that that is a bit. Um, crazy. Yeah, it felt very uh, Harry Potter esque, but um. Anyways, um, where were we at? What made you want to start yes. getting self help? Yeah, self-help so books in? you know, from the age of like eight years old, I knew I was like i because that's when like uh, I already knew the the signs were starting to show, and by like as at eight, even like ten, I was like I, it's because it's just me and my mom. So I was like, "I'm going to have to take care of my mom, and if I don't, we are fucked and I knew that I knew that for a fact, so you know while everyone else was enjoying themselves playing when I you know they were fourteen years old, I was like, "Okay, like, I' gotta start taking shit seriously." So I started reading books and reading another, and you know, um, you know, I remember I would wake up before school at like five a m and I'd go for runs, like I'd go for a run and then I'd read and then I'd journal and then I'd meditate um. And I kind of built my own schedule, you know, from the age of like 13, 14, I knew I didn't care about school. Granted, I wasn't a very smart kid, um, but yeah, you know, so that's why I picked up books. And it was just, those books were the thing that actually led me to that first business because I was reading all these books and I like didn't at that age have, you know, really anyone to express all these thoughts that were swirling around in my head. Mm -hmm. Um, I ended up creating this Instagram account called Fakak The Norm, F-C-U-K The Norm. And I'll get, uh, you know, we'll pop it up on screen. That, so you can look back at the begin, the first post all the way, you know, maybe 20 posts from the last one that was posted. That's all me at the age of 14. Like all of those passages were me. It was like a a cathartic experience for me to like, read books and have these ideas and just get it down on paper um, or, you know, on Instagram. And obviously-
0: what were you posting exactly?
1: I was just posting like quotes, And then i was just long passages you know of things that were on my mind about like friendship about discipline about um manifestation about like you know um and i was building up this account and i was growing it and then eventually one day i got someone reach, you know dm me and they're like how much to buy your account that that's a thing like i didn't know that was a fucking thing at the time um and then that's how i got pulled into the world of telegram and i got into all of these uh, buying selling groups for mm. instagram accounts and that's actually so i what i started doing was I, I sold a few shout outs and built up a little bit of capital and then i bought my second instagram account so what i did and this was my first business and it only ran for six or seven months and then it kind of became like crabs in a bucket like everyone just kept undercutting each other in terms of prices yeah um but what i would do is i would you know buy an account let's say I don't know like an architecture account like it really like high-end modern interior account um or like a account specifically focused towards lamborghinis and i would buy that account and then i would rebrand it to just a general luxury account because then i could sell shout outs to you know blue eye blocking glasses companies to watch uh companies and
0: anything luxurious yeah
1: and and i'm sure you remember 2014 like that was kind of the inception of influencer marketing mm-hmm. like that's really i mean you look at a company like movement like that's that is how they got to you know i think they sold for what a hundred million or at least the owners um i don't know how much percentage they sold but you know that's how you reach a valuation like that when let's be honest they're they're a drop shipping company like <laughs> that's you know it's not really uh yeah or at least for a longest time uh for a very long time they're really just a glorified drop shipping company um, it's because they had the marketing of the influencers. Yeah. They had the them. marketing, the influencers, et cetera, et cetera. They're so that was my first business. And as I said, it got to a point where things were just like, um, things are just, you know, people just kept undercutting each other. So I had that. And then I also had my mom like fucking shouting at me all the time because, you know, she came from Russia sacrificed Everything stayed in, got out of one abusive relationship, got into stayed in another one, um, because. Just so I could have, go to private school, and in her mind, it was like, okay, this my son is pissing everything. Every I've sacrificed my entire life, yeah, and he's pissing it all away. So I remember when I was fourteen, I was like, okay, you know, I'm gonna try to take studies seriously, this that, um, and just, then just a quick one about the accounts. How much were you buying them and flipping them for? Uh, in the low end, you know, in the first first few ones, I I did was you know hundred two hundred dollars. Mm. Um, 200, uh, $100, $200, pounds, whatever. Uh, and then by the end, it was a couple grand. Probably I made, uh, through my entire uh, time with that, probably made 10 grand uh, in six works. months. Yeah, it was great. I mean, that sustained me as well for the next you know, year and a half, two years. So after that, I got really into training. So what I would do is I would, uh, you know, I mentioned this earlier, I would reach out to people on Instagram that had like level three personal trainer in their bio. And I would ask them like for, I think it's like the NC or something like that basically like the, the the book that they would get that they would have to study um in order to get their level three qualification and i would just study and i'd take notes and this and that and then i'd be at my friend's parents house and i would i mean i was so annoying i don't know how i didn't get kicked out of more house, like more dinners but um i was just like selling my friend's parents on personal training services yeah uh, so i'd sell them you know for 20 pounds an hour 25 pounds an hour and as i said you know i went to private school you know these are Wealthy parents, Rich, yeah. you know, so for them, it's fucking nothing. Um, and that was kind of my second business. And then from there, I got really into like photography and videography. And that's kind of how the inception of my agency. So I started doing that. And then I had, um, people asking me like, Hey, can you do this as like a monthly service? Like, yeah, of course. And, um, you know, before, this, before
0: we talk about the monthly service, how did you get your first client for the agency? Free.
1: Uh, well, uh, so I was really just a freelance content creator yeah so just free shoots four, five, six months just free you know every single weekend um and as said then i started getting paid for it and there was actually my old football club uh i was telling you know the owner i was like yo look like you know you can do a lot more with your social media and um he was like how much and i was like i'll never forget the proposal i sent i didn't price monthly because i thought it would sound too expensive so i priced it weekly and i didn't want to do 100 pounds a week so i did 95. Yeah. So my first client was 380 pounds a month. Yeah. And for that i was doing 30 unique instagram posts, 30 unique facebook posts, four youtube videos. Mm. Like when you take it, you know, when you basically split it up, i was basically working minimum wage. But i mean, it was like the fucking greatest thing ever to me, like the idea that i had like monthly income coming in from and- something that you're doing yourself rather than a set out job. Yeah, exactly. Um so I did that. And then for the next six, seven months, I was just was meeting, uh, with business owners, reaching out, um, sending emails, um, sending emails, doing Instagram outreach, sending video audits, um, not really getting anywhere. Um, but I didn't care, yeah. you know, I think that's the other, it's a great blessing, you know, because you've got like, you know, you've got people like yourself who bring on characters that are talking about their journey five years in or seven years in, because yes, I've been running my business for five years, but the three years before that, you know, 2014, 2015, 2016, like all part of the journey. Yeah. Reading a book a week, meditating every single day. Like it's, you know, I didn't have the technical know-how, but I had like, I I had that ferocious, like self-belief, Yeah, you know? Um, so obviously it's a blessing that you're bringing people like myself on, but it's also like, you know, people watching this will compare themselves and like, oh, why am I not? And it's like, I didn't have that. You know, I was 16 I was sending these proposals. And I was going fucking nowhere, but I didn't care. Like, I wasn't like, oh, but there's this person doing this. Mo-. And, you know, like I didn't, I wasn't comparing myself to anyone. I was just happy. I was like, this is so cool. Like, I, my my friends are in school learning about shit that doesn't matter and will never matter. And I'm here like just, and it doesn't matter if I'm not signing clients. Like, I'm just, I'm doing something. And I'm like, it was just, it was the coolest thing ever. And, you know, I kept going and I kept going. And eventually, you know, I will say when it rains, it pours. Um, and you know, same thing, even in my agency these days, you know, you know, things will kind of plateau like this and then, you know,
0: all so like, yeah, so it's the exact same thing. I feel. I know exactly what you're mm-hmm. but the same thing with the channel, you know, it plateaus, the next, you know, it spikes and it can go down and just like anything really. Yeah. You know, I just want to ask you something, um, like perspectively, 380 pounds. It sounds like nothing. However, some people might think like, you know, it times up by 10, you've got 10 clients a month. That's 3,800 mm-hmm. pounds you're getting a month. Mm-hmm. Now, if you compare that to what you charge now, I know you said you take percentages, mm. but if you had to charge a flat fee to companies and brands, mm. how much you charge, like what's the difference?
1: Yeah, we do. I mean, you know, some brands we charge over five figures a month. Mm. Um, So yeah, it totally depends. You know, we've changed our model over, over the years just because yes. it's, uh, we think it's a more honest model, yeah. you know, so what we use now. a drastic change. Yeah, I mean, by, by, by 2018, you know, I was telling you, the, you know, Danny, who's still my CMO to this day, you know, he's been working with, uh, for me for three and a half years. Um, you know, initially he was just a contractor, and you know, the moment I realized was when I signed a, uh, you know, uh, well over a five-figure month retainer. I was, you know, 18 years old, and I was like, "Yeah, I should probably actually like have someone full-time for this." Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, it's obviously it's come a long way since then.
0: Yeah, you're smashing it. I mean, absolutely smashing it. So, yeah. So where do we go from here? So, so let's
1: see. So, so six, seven months. I'm saying these proposals. Nothing's happening. Yeah. When it rains, it pours. I end up. Um, I ended up doing the shoot for a company called athlete who are now, uh, you know, rebranded to and, you know, uh, Sean, who's the, uh, founder and the, the owner of it, is like, was definitely one of my early mentors. And like, I'll be honest, I f- hate the word mentor. And like, everyone has the idea of mentor of like, you sit down with each other every single week and you like, it, like, no, like I, for me, it was just like osmosis. Like I just fucking... Would it's, hang around Sean because yeah. obviously he was my client, and I was in their office all the time, and this and that. And it was just like his work ethic is—it still is it's sickening. Like it's ins—I've yeah, you, like I, you just what it
0: is—you get inspired by the mm-hmm. people that you're around, and you start to pick up habits that they have, and then it's kind of—I guess someone from the outside would call it a mentor, but really, it's yeah. to you, it's just
1: someone. You're they, they, they are, but as I said, to me, a mentor is like. It's always, I find it always comes organically. Mm. You know, it's not like, okay, I'll be your mentor. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, Naturally, you find it. You find out who you click with and who you actually, not inspired to be, but who you can actually learn a lot more Mm. from. Mm. And yeah, it's never one of them where you, can you be my mentor? Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah, yeah, exactly. So I ended up signing, um, so I did a shoot for them. And then once again, that conversation sort of like, okay, could this be a monthly thing? Could you manage our social media and this and that? So I ended up signing them, and that was on the Monday, and that was 1,900 pounds a month. And I remember, because I actually, all the uh, rooms in the school were taken, so I literally went on like outside the steps of my school, hotspot on my phone, and um, I had my computer open as I was sending the voice. And uh, Sean was like, "Okay, you know, we're good to move uh, forward." 1,900. I remember I, I ran into the the, uh, I I ran into the uh, cafeteria, and my best friend still to this day, Filippo, dude, I, I I scream at him. I'm like, dude. I didn't say I'm rich. I went, dude, we're rich. Yeah. I'm like, dude, we're fucking rich. Um, and that was the Monday. The next day, I signed a, uh, another client, personal trainer, fifteen hundred a month. And then I signed another client that week on the Friday for seven fifty. So within the space of a week, I went, you know, I was doing up to what four thousand, four thousand two hundred pounds a month, something like that. And then after that, very quickly, as I said, when it rains, and pours. Like there, there's there will be periods of stagnation and. It can be frustrating is that for me back then it wasn't frustrating because I had no contact. Like for me, I was like, what else would I be doing? Like, this is so sick. I didn't need the result. Just like the fact that I had the honor of do like, just doing something that was out the order. Like that was exciting enough for me. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, uh, within the space of a month or six weeks thereafter, you know, I was up to 10 grand a month and at 17 years old, like I felt like fucking richest person on earth and uh, ended up dropping out of school. Um, how did how did your mom take that you know obviously because she's had rough, to make a big change rough
0: things are rough for a long time yeah because if her, and I mean she, you know obviously now she t- look, tell me the conversation or tell the viewers as well the that, that conversation <laughs> if you can remember it word by word of you telling your mom that listen I've dropped out
1: of school mm. basically yeah so I mean I was in a fortunate position where even at that point at the age of 17 I was still supporting her in a lot of ways mm. and obviously I was supporting myself so it's kind of like what could she really say um but for her and i mean you know she even says this to this day like it's the biggest thing was identity like that was her identity mm. you know for a mother like a mother's identity is you you know or at least you know uh in my mom's case i was her identity and then also her identity of being a good mother was the fact that she went through unspeakable things to make sure that i went to private school yeah so when that gets taken away it's like what's left and that's a big like f- head fuck um So, yeah, there was a lot, a lot of months of fighting. Um, But as I said, I dropped out, scaled my agency. And, you know, I got up to a point where a few months after that, I was doing 20, 25 grand a month. Uh, Even had a full-time employee at that time. Um, And things were going great. And my only issue was the fact that my clients kept saying, oh, this is amazing. You know, you're creating this beautiful content. Our social platforms are growing, et et cetera, et cetera. But what's the ROI? And I had no discernible ROI I could give them, you know? And it is especially frustrating for me because, you know, these big, co- you know, I was working with a lot of uh, companies that had their series A, series B, like startups. Yeah. Um, and I was like, you guys are spending five grand a month on red bus ads. Like, what fucking ROI is that giving you, right? But because they're, they had a swanky office, they didn't question it and this and that, um, you know, I guess I had a lot more to prove to them. So from that frustration, and the thing is, in my business is I'm not a very, it's funny because, you know, obviously my business I've been running for five years is a service-based business, but I'm not a good person to be in a service. Like I'm not, uh, I've actually, a lot's changed. You know, these days I do take pride on that. But back then I was not a very good accommodating person. Like I was the opposite of who you would think would have a service-based business. Yeah. Like I fucking hated like clients that would complain and this and that, et cetera, et cetera. Or like any sort of these um, misunderstandings and, so from that frustration, uh, I decided, you know, I need to learn paid traffic and I need to learn ads, you know, so that way I can present to them, hey, at the end of the month, I brought you an X amount of leads because I was working with local businesses, or at least that was the intention back then. So I start that and I tell all my clients, I'm like, hey, you know, you're paying 2,500 pounds a month, you're paying 1,500 pounds a month, you know, two grand a month for an extra 500 a month, 750 a month. Let me tack on uh, Facebook ads. Yeah which I thought was a smart idea, you know, I was giving it to them for a subsidized fee, which I thought was a smart idea. Only issue was I sucked terribly. And, you know, because I sucked, they were pissed. And not only, cause they were super happy with the creative stuff. So not only did I lose them for the ad stuff, but then I also lost them for the creative stuff. So I went from making 25 grand a month to going all the way down to five. And really having to go back to the drawing board and, you know, I just decided, you know what, I'm still just going to focus on ads, paid traffic, and um, ended up working with gyms. That was my niche I worked with for... How long did that
0: period last for, from, you know, being dropped from 25 grand down to 5 grand, which is still a lot of money per <laughs> yeah. month?
1: Yeah. How did, how did that, like, last for? And it wasn't too bad. It was a few or... months. You know, it was a few months, but it was just, I don't know, it's, it's always tough, you know, when you take, like... A step backwards. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, you know, um, you feel like you've just gone in a complete opposite direction.
0: You have all yeah. the momentum going forward, and the next, you know, bang, it's all yeah, going down.
1: Exactly. So, yeah, I uh, I stuck to it, and eventually built back up. You know, 10 15 20 k. But the real big change in my business was when I decided, you know, what's what am I most passionate about? I'm really passionate about the education system. Um, So I decided, you know what, and I've always loved online education. I think online education is far superior um, to universities in every single way. Um, And, you know, online education, you know, I have my own education platform. You know, we actually have to do things like, you know, give a shit about our customer, put money towards R&D, give refunds, you know, something that a university will never fucking do, Um, you know, so. What sort of education platform do you have? So... My education company, Green C, the way that that started was I was 17 years old making 25 grand a month. And, yeah. you know, everyone was, and, you know, the other cool thing that people can do is you can look back on my YouTube. I've been posting YouTube videos since 2015. Yeah, so yeah, you can yeah. see me vlogs of me in 2015. And I would go to, um, you know, Brixton Bookmongers because, yeah. I you know, I, I couldn't afford to spend 10 or 15 pounds for a new book at Waterstone. So I'd go to bricks and Bookmongers and for 10 pounds, I'd walk away with five used books, but they were basically like brand new um so you can see my journey of me like meditating going to the gym reading and i was just sh- like just sharing my journey on, on my youtube one thing i will uh recommend you guys watch but after this podcast is the you got
0: a video of your journey yeah and i think in there i was watching it last night and i think in there it, you had the phone call recorded of you getting the client for 1900 pound a month am I yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah
1: yeah or something like that or you calling your friend yeah i think so so it's amazing to see yeah no it's it's cool thing. i mean you can see me in all my like you can see me in all my clients like offices and yeah, yeah, cause yeah, yeah. I, as I, said, I would just like vlog and this and that. Um. So anyways, I, um. with all that being said, people were, because I was sharing stuff on social media and this and that people were like, so what's the deal? Are you like selling drugs or like, well, you know, how the fuck are you making this sort of money? Um. And I used to, at the end of the day, I used to just give people like you know, back then my Skype and I'm like, Oh, you know, like I'm happy to hop on a call and just, Run through some stuff, and then it was starting to become a real distraction from the main business. Um, so then, I would just start saying no to people, and then mm. people were like, "Oh, I'll, I'll pay you," and that was like such a foreign concept to me. You know, now like the idea of a consulting fee is like, you know, I've done it dozens and dozens of them at the agency. You know, twenty-five k two-day consultings. Um, you know, now I don't do them much anymore because don't really like to travel. Um, but back then, that was like such a foreign concept to me. Um, So I was like, they're like, yeah, how how much will you charge for an hour? I was like, I don't know, like 50 pounds, like a hundred pounds. And it just snowballed and then it got too much doing these like calls. Um, So then that's when right at the beginning of 2018 or actually like February of 2018, I launched my first course. And Is this where Grow Your Agency started basically? Not really. So because here's the thing in 2018, I was a course business. And the thing is, because the course scaled so quickly, in 2018 i was probably making three times as much profit mm. from my course company as i was from my agency and that's all fine and well but the education industry the online education industry is so fickle like i've i've never seen anyone who has like a course or this or that like last more than two or three years very very few people do because you know imagine like a youtuber like people get bored of youtubers after you know yeah. usually after like two three years you have to do something to switch it up you know imagine if you're an education youtube like people get fucking bored of you right yeah yeah, yeah. um and people always want that new thing the new method which all these new methods are usually just old methods repackaged with a new like the the this and this method yeah yeah, yeah. you know um and i kind of knew that in 2018 you know i luckily one of the things that i'd say probably my biggest strengths is the fact that i've always had really strong um foresight like i always know what's coming around the corner and in 2018 i was like this is great but i know i probably have another six months of this before people are like, but I'm not bringing the level up at all. Mm. Right. And that's when I knew, okay, I need to take this from a course business, which is really all it was to a real education company, you know, have a real brand name, bring on a team, you know, in 2018, it was just me and uh, my old appointment setter for my agency. Yeah. When I was working with Jim's, he was the one who was cold calling all these clients, setting the meetings. I would show up, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Esteban, he still actually works for the education company. So it was just him, you know, uh, helping me out, uh, with some of the questions in the Facebook group and this and that. Uh, but I knew that wasn't going to last and it wasn't, it wasn't real business. Um, so that's when I decided to go, you know, go and take what was really a course business and make an education company, turn into a and see, I hired a product, uh, product manager, I hired a team, I brought on expenses, um, fucked my profit margins fully. But uh, so you made it a legitimate, proper business. But I made it a real business, you know, yeah. and... Probably a um, lot more scalable as well. Yeah, exactly. And also the other thing is, the thing with the agency is it's just over a over five year span. It just constantly like goes like this. You know, of course there'll be little bumps and this, but it's just it's just so. My agency, is, as I said, it's I'm not gonna lie, it's very unsexy. It's very uncool, but it's just predictable. And as I said, there will be some hiccups here and there, but it just every year, just year on year, it grows, right? Um, and because especially 2019, 20 or uh, towards the tail in 2018. Uh, that was the first month where i hit 80k with my agency so because the agency was doing really well now i was able to start thinking more long-term with the education company or really what at the time was a course business and go mm. okay how can i actually make this something that like has an impact on the industry and yeah. like isn't just for my benefit um and as i said that's when i created Green and that's when we really kind of dialed in our mission so one of the big things that we do is we take a large portion of our profits and use that to build schools in nepal um so, yeah, at the, you know at the time of speaking, there's two thousand kids who get to wake up and go to school that you know wouldn't have normally been able to um and that's been v- yeah, I mean that's just been the most incredible experience ever um how does that
0: make you feel knowing that you're 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 able to educate over two thousand kids
1: um whereas they wouldn't normally be able to get it? i mean you know you know what the interesting thing is I took my unfortunately, I haven't been able to go there for a year and a half because of everything that's gone on in the world and travel restrictions and this and that. Mm. Um, but I took some of the team out there in 2019 towards the tail end. And one of the most interesting things was that uh, I'll be honest, the kids, like, of course they're like, okay, the kids don't really care that much. If I'm being honest, it's, it's the elders, like it's the, it's the parents, it's the grandparents, because they know that the biggest thing is in these communities, there's no opportunity. So when you build a school, and when you give these kids a real education, then they they don't leave their, they don't have to leave their communities anymore. Yeah. You know? And what that means for the parents is they get to actually have their child. You know? Whereas before, if there's no school, they get to 15, 16, and they start, you know, they, they start Waldorf. going into the cities, yeah. you know? Uh, and they lose their children. Yeah. So that was one of, probably the most interesting and gratifying things is like, yeah, of course, you know, we build these schools and it's incredible, but like, it's really nice to know that the the parents and the grandparents like it actually means more to them way more than the children. Yeah, and I'm sure. sure later, you know, when the kids grow up, they'll understand, you know, what it uh, what it actually means. But and they'll probably repeat, repeat the same actions when their time comes for kids. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, just, all in all, it's just been incredible experience, and you know, that's really what Gradientsy was in 2019 and 2020 and most of 2021, but around the beginning of 2020. I was like, this is cool, but it's, this is, it still isn't like, I, I wouldn't be able to confidently look at it and be like, Oh, we really shook up the industry. We did something that was never done before. And like, we, we did something that was important to like, at the end of the day, I know I'm in such a weird, funny, little nerdy industry. Right. Mm. I'm, I'm not a rapper. I'm not a football. I'm not cool. Right. I'm like a fucking grandpa. But to me, my work means so, so much. And like to me, doing something for the culture, as funny as that sounds, in the in the in our industry, it, it means something to me. And that's why, you know, beginning of twenty twenty, I had this itch of like, okay, how do we really take things to the next level? So for the last year and a half, I mean, so much money and time has gone into, I mean, insane amounts of money, which is why as I said, you know, A hasn't really made much money in the last year and a half. All the money's been funneled into the schools and R and D costs for the custom platform. So now when you come in it's no longer an education company it's a real educate like it's a platform it's you come in it's all custom custom app custom community um custom tools we have 15 different tools where you know uh someone comes in and they want to check if their ads are compliant you put it in there and we'll tell you what's not compliant suggestions for what to change in the copy Uh, you come in there you have your whole financial tracker you've got um different tools to help you know how much to spend on different ad sets to spend on cold retargeting to spend on uh you know if you're working with a local biz client or an online client we've got um uh, calculators so that way you can uh, again estimate for how much an e-commerce business is doing based on their foot traffic and we show you how to find that you know, uh, and then based on the industries we have, you know, because we've worked with so many different clients, um, you know, we know industry standard within e-commerce businesses, how much um, uh, their conversion rate is. And then we can give you an estimate. Like, it's a real fucking platform, you mm-hmm. know, and it's, it's like it's got a heartbeat and there's real-time leaderboards and there's, man, I mean, this thing's That's insane. To, something revolutionary. Yeah. And it's something I can actually look back in and like it, it's, with the course business, like I couldn't look, I wasn't necessarily, I mean, look, I've had... I've had literally people who from 2018 came into my program making no money. And these days make a hundred K a month profit. Many, many, like many, many, many people. Um, and that's awesome. Of course. But like, as I said, you know, the course business didn't give me much satisfaction The education came, uh, company gave me a lot of fulfillment, mm. but the, what we've done now with the platform, uh, it's like, I don't know. I really like it. It fills me with a lot of pride. So, and that's the uh, education company side of things <laughs> now let me
0: ask you because you've got to grow your agency and you obviously have your own agency mm-hmm. yourself why would someone want to in your instance why would someone want to help other people's agencies get them clients when you could you know you could easily get those clients mm-hmm. yourself because i've had many opportunities where even though i don't have a social media agency mm-hmm. people brands they do reach out to me sometimes because they see stats and figures and they're like we want to do the same thing can you mm-hmm. can you help us set so, up you a YouTube channel or on instagram or whatever it may be so i'm like i could easily charge for this but at the mm. same time kind of be bothered i don't know mm. why would someone want to why would you
1: help other people make you know do you know what i mean yeah no no people <laughs> it's a weird one yeah because technically i'm creating competition for myself exactly yeah and i think if i so as i said we work with e-commerce businesses and education companies and i think if i was working with real estate agents and in order to hit you know 150k months profit i need 100 clients right mm. and there's only i mean uh, then again there's maybe that example there's so many real estate agents but like let's see something that's let's say i was working in the solar industry and i needed you know 50 clients to hit the numbers that i want to hit and you know if i'm helping other people and i'm educating other people then it's you know that's taking away from my pie yeah i i tell my students you can't do what i do you can't or at least the level that we do it i mean we work with clients as i said we we work with clients that are you know we're making two, three million a month for, you know, um, rev at least we work with clients that are spending, you know, some of our clients are spending 20, K a day. And as I said, I'm very honest with myself, you, you're not going to be able maybe after three years, maybe after five, but yeah, you're not going to be able to instantly. sign them. Uh, and I'm very honest with you. are not going to be able to sign the sort of clients that we sign. So, cause, cause you're a few years behind and you also will be right. Yeah. Um, Are you able to say a couple of your clients names, like the big ones? Yeah, so Well, I mean, you know, the funniest thing is, uh, you know, some more notable names, ring, um, Oura ring and we've had like some other big names in terms of like uh, Kevin Rose, AJ Smart, Avare, um, like, but the funniest thing that I found as well, and I have a lot of friends like this is like, dude, we have clients that are making 30 million a year and they literally are like a glow in the dark, like a, a teddy bear that helps kids f- fall asleep, you yeah. know, or like, and I even tell my friends, cause a lot of my friends want to start e-commerce brands and I'm like, start an e-commerce brand but just know that if you want to make big money you you probably won't do it by selling fashion or like jewelry or like the the people that make a lot of money they sell just really fucking weird products yeah but the market loves and these guys are making like 30 40 million a year but it's not like the sort of thing where you're at a party and you're like oh i you know like i I sell teddy bears for living. yeah i I sell (laughs) massage you know like we have a client that like sells massage guns and it's like i mean i don't know maybe you've That's something to boast about, but, you know, uh, as I said, our biggest clients are the ones that have weird products and you actually would never even realize that they're making that sort of money. And also the sort of clients I like to work with, I really dislike clients that have investors where there's a lot of uh, bureaucracy, you know, um, as I mentioned, I'm super into my watches and through, it was a referral through uh, one of my old clients, Kevin Rose. Uh, he introduced me to Hadinki. That is literally my wet dream. Like the, that is, I, you could not think of a more perfect plan, right? And that probably would have been over a five-figure-a-month retainer. And I didn't take the conversation any further because, the, you know, I was speaking to the marketing manager who then had to relay it to this person. And it's I a, just...
0: you got to go through a lot of people to get through to the main person, a lot of back and forward, and then a lot of back and forward on their
1: side. I don't want to fucking deal with that. Like, I, it's a you know for me from day one I wanted to do it my way yeah. and I don't want to fucking deal with like I don't ever all my clients treat me and my team with such respect and as such equals and I don't give a shit how much money we get paid if that's not the case I don't want it and these these big um, you know these big companies like there's just so much fucking bureaucracy and it's just I, I'm i just not interested you know if other people want to do it like go for it but for me like i said i'm not interested so i said that you know when you when we mention big client names funny enough we specifically try to go for really big businesses but that are run by two 27 year old dudes Mm. and
0: they're young in the prime yeah
1: i mean i i specifically go for clients that are between like 22 and 35 i don't like clients who are above the age of 35 why is that do you think they'll be of an older generation where they don't really understand the newer trends and the things yeah, that you Yeah, they're just boring. I mean, and once again, every once in a while, I'll be like, oh, let me make an exception. You know, there was one client, uh, I, no, I can't say any them, but like, um, anyways, they do 25 million a year in, in retail and they do only like 2 million a month or, or 25 million a year in wholesale and they do like 2 million a month uh, or sorry, um, 2 million a year uh, in uh, with their e-commerce store and it's these fucking three like 55 year old dudes and it's just, you know, it was just fucking. I hate it. Like I hate it every single moment. And the funny thing is, like, I said I am so lucky to have Danny, my CMO, who's been working with me for three and a half years, and he manages the rest of the team, and I don't even have to deal with it. But even just being on some of the calls, like, I just it was a fucking nightmare. Um. So yeah, you know, I you, especially at this stage, I'm at a point where like, unless I do it my way, I'm not interested. Okay.
0: I think there's a lot in a lot about you that people can learn from, like myself and other people who are watching this, and aspire to be in your position, in the position that you are in today. So what's some of the things that you'd advise, some of the habits that you've had to get into the
1: position where you are today? Biggest thing is if you're at a point right now and you're like, look, I have no idea where, like, I have no idea. If you're me at 15 years old, you know, living at home with your mom and you know know that you've got something inside of you, but you don't know what that will be. um, For me, the biggest thing is reading. And meditating, like the fact that they teach fucking algebra at school—the most useless load of horseshit for ninety-nine percent of people. By the way, like I'm not a like some of my closest friends are like in the top universities studying biology, are going to be some of the top lawyers on earth. I have full respect for them because they genuinely from the bottom of their heart that's what they love, and I can see in their eyes, right? And I have other friends of mine who I call out, you know, because I'm like, dude. Don't do this because you want to make your parents happy. Like, you're gonna, you really want to make a deal with the devil, like sell your soul. Um, but I said these people, like, they love it from the bottom of their heart, you know. So, I have no issue if someone genuinely loves algebra, Mm. you know. But for 99% of people, they don't, right? And for me, I find it so hilarious that you know, in school, they teach you all this stuff, but they don't teach you, uh, meditation, they don't teach you, um, you know, how to deal with anxiety, they don't teach you, like everything like 80 percent of success really is managing oneself um and that's why as i said i think meditation is so important i'm so grateful I'm that sure. i started meditating from the age of 14 mm. because you know and i'm i'm very big into Jungian psychology i genuinely believe the world of the outer is merely a reflection of the world of the inner quick one for meditation how do you meditate because i think a lot of people might just be thinking that because
0: i do have a bit of a young audience mm. here as well they might just be thinking you know, one of them ones Yeah, you? you just go yeah, yeah. do that. So how yeah, do you meditate? So,
1: so, are- so find what works for you. As I said, for me, it's funny because when I was 14 years old, in the same way I had a gym split, I actually had a meditation split. Mm. So, you know, maybe Monday would be Vipassana and then uh, Tuesday would be Mantra and then Wednesday would be Kundalini meditation. And I got really into it. You know, these days, depending on the time of year, so, so, you know, sometimes I challenge myself and I do an hour a day. But most of the year, I just do 10 minutes. Yeah, You know, and it doesn't need to be anything special. You know, you can... F- meditation can be as simple as laying a candle and just looking at the candle it can be as simple as just you know focusing on your breath um doing different breath work or the easiest place for people to get started is headspace you know it's free just do the first 10 days see how you feel 10 days in. it's insane yeah um and also the other thing is med- meditation really can be whatever you want i have clients of mine who i have clients of mine who literally make 10 20 million a year and they're like yeah i've tried meditation it doesn't work for me so they do like for them, go, they do a 45 minute walk every day, but no music, no, no phone. Yeah. And that's their meditation. You know, really for me, meditation is just like, what's your ability to focus in on something? You know, what's your ability? Like, just for me, it's just all about presence. Like, can you get present to the moment and focus on one thing? And that carries over into business or career or this, that, because like the people that win are the people who can focus on something for long extended periods of time and Every single year Things just get fucking worse and worse As if like Social media wasn't bad enough Then there's TikTok And then now it's like It's just insane and There's a lot that's going on Around the world Around stimulus our Stimulus everywhere You yeah. know people wake up The first thing they reach for Is their phone And you know They've got a notif- like, I'm you- so glad I got out of that habit Because I used to do
0: that a lot Now mm-hmm. if I wake up at I don't know 8 o'clock I won't check my phone Until about 10
1: Yeah good hours, Just get your yourself-
0: breakfast And gym out of the way And then come back on my phone 100% That's it But I think I think the best way For meditation just to clear your head me I found my my best way recently even though it's a bit long jacuzzi
1: <laughs> yeah best thing dude j- like jacuzzi steam room sauna if you have that available to yeah. you like could be any just like just a time where you can just get present to the moment and just not everyone just fucking trying to run away from their emotions and they're trying to run away from their thoughts mm. Um, so yeah it, it, meditation really can be whatever you make it 100% 100% what else would you say meditation and reading meditation and reading and then between those two because when you get very self-aware you'll find what the next step is you know like it doesn't need to looking back as i said everything that happened in my life it made now looking back it makes sense but at the time it made no sense to me you know there was times where i was like even as i was successful like i was like in despair because i was like i don't know where this is going or i don't know what the next move is or what the next step is and then you just need time to get in touch with yourself and then when an p- opportunity presents itself or when your intuition you know most people aren't don't trust their intuition enough or don't trust their gut instinct enough and then when that time comes about as if you actually have the ability to listen to that then you'll know what the next step is so let me ask you a
0: question yeah this this might be a bit personal so if nothing's personal with me all right then look, we'll see how this is yeah <laughs> how do you feel how do I word it? It's a weird one because uh, you're essentially your mum, me and your stepdad has brought you to London mm. able to get you in the positions that you're in today.
1: Mm.
0: How do you feel about not necessarily your stepdad but being in that environment where is he's basically a psycho mm. but you, it's allowed you to get into the position you are today after, mm. and I'm, it sounds like without him almost it might have been a bit harder. You probably would have done it.
1: No, I don't think so. No, no. I think looking back, I think it's one of those, I think looking back, it's kind of like, I think if one thing was off, I I genuinely don't know if I'd be here. Right. Like I think if I had that really tough childhood, but I didn't have the context of like wealth and going to this private school, like, I don't think I'd be, I think it would be, I think I would have been beat down by life so hard with no hope of getting out or like, do you think you'd still be in Russia? Well, I mean, I, yeah, obviously, my, if my mom uh, didn't meet my stepdad, then yeah, I would 100% still be in Russia. Yeah. I was, uh, my, uh, you know, my mom was the youngest of seven in the Soviet Union, and her uh, sister is in the, uh, was it the FS, FSP or something like that? You know, like the mm. uh, Russian Special Services. So yeah, no, I was going to be an army kid. Um, So yeah, no, that was what my destiny was meant to be. Um, But yeah, as I said, looking back, I think if one thing was off, I would not be here today. And, you know, I hold no hate in my heart at all towards anyone. Um, i led I, you here. Yeah. Because I said it. And also like when you realize that like people aren't what they are, usually they're a culmination of their experiences. So like y- y- if you're judging a person, like you can't judge a person because you, you didn't have the same inputs as them. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I really hold no hate in my heart towards anyone or anything that happened in my past. Fair enough what's
0: your ultimate goal because you're very successful in your own right as, mm. as you are right now but mm. I can see from talking to you from having a cigar with you mm. you've got a lot of ambition and you've got goals that you want to hit mm. and you're still very young so what is what do you see your life looking like when you're 35 years old because you're 21 so that's a um, long way let's away see
1: thir- 35 I think I mean like I will so I think the thing is you get to a point where you realize the real reward of this game is getting to continue to play the game. Yeah. You know, and that's why, like, you've got all these super successful billionaires and like, you don't like, they never need to work ever again. Why do they keep working? Because like, it's a love of the game, you know? Um, and I'm kind of now at that point where like, you know, even as this especially before it was, yes, of course I could kind of, you know, I could retire in this, but really after this year, like I could retire and still, live off like my investments could make me more money than what i live off right yeah. now you know so that's a scary but also exciting thing because now i can genuinely look at like now i really have been able to look at everything i'm doing be like if i didn't make a cent from it would i still do and the answer is yes mm. right and as i said for me it's because like i don't know it's just like building's fun you know like building is fun and that's really what business is it's just like building stuff and like putting building blocks together and this and that. So, you know, in terms of my businesses I have now, you know, uh, I'm very confident in this software company. I'm very confident in the education company, uh, with the agency from next year, moving to a model where we're going to start taking equity in clients we work with. And by 2025, the only clients we work with, will work with 10 to 12 clients and they'll all be companies that I've invested in um, or they've given us equity just because of our expertise and obviously we'll be managing all their marketing. Yeah. Um, because the thing is, I'm in a funny situation where with clients outward facing, we're a paid traffic agency. That's what we're hired to do. But when they actually become clients of ours, we can help them build sales teams. We can help them with email marketing. We can help them with content. We because... can help them with a lot more than what you actually offer. Exactly. Because, because of the other businesses, mm. I have all these people in place. Yeah. Um. So yeah, in terms of where I see myself, you know, I always joke, you know, when I'm thirty, I'm pretty confident I'll be at a hundred ms, um, and I think at that point I'll probably go off social media, because uh, to be honest, I don't really like it. Um, you know, at a, uh, I actually put this on my story the other day. At a billion, I was joke. I'm gonna fake my own death. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I think I just pro- ghost off the plenty of the. <laughs> yeah, I think I probably just want a very like private life because I have an intensely public life and. You'd probably end up buying your own island and making a house there and everything like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm in the moment. I'm I'm looking at buying a fa- not a one where we produce, but I'm actually in in the process of uh, buying a farm in Mexico. No, uh, seriously. Self-sustaining, yeah. So I don't know. I'm a bit of a. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm definitely not a spontaneous decision. Yeah, I'm a very. I'm very weird In in certain ways I think
0: uh, Earlier on in the podcast We mentioned about the fact That you were going to go To Dubai Mm. So I'm really glad And fortunate That we can make this happen Just before you go Mm. And to the people Who messaged me Saying no You ain't going to make it happen You're going to Dubai (laughs) Nice mate (laughs) Anyway So Why Dubai Why are you moving Because you've been Brought up here your whole life You keep saying That you love this city Especially over to the Garden and everything, Saying you love the city of London Yeah London's the best city on earth it so really is. If it's
1: the best CEO of, why would you want to move? I you know, I mentioned this to you. I don't I don't like the way I don't like the direction it's going. And uh, obviously everyone is um allowed their uh, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. Um, you know, I look at the way that Italy is, France is, with all of the um mandatory uh certificates, hmm. um mandatory certificates for a uh, certain yeah, I don't think we can mention it. Because, yeah, so yeah, I'd say for a certain yeah. thing that's floating around, um, you know, uh, a jib jab. I think that's fine. I don't think that'll flag anything. Uh, so yeah, a little, a uh, little jib jab certificate, um, and uh, it breaks every single fucking Nuremberg code ever. Um, it's unethical. It's immoral. It's disgusting. And one of the sad things is, you know, I'm leaving London, but London's fully open now. No masks. This that. And, um, you know, for my e-commerce brand, like I I told you, we produce masks Mm. and the day after we launched them, I literally took it down and, you know, that was multiple, multiple five figures, you know, in stock that like, that was literally like, uh, I I forget specifically how much, but anywhere from like 40, 60 K in stock that that just lost money. Right. So I really wish masks work, but they don't. It doesn't take a genius to figure it out. I really wish that you know everything the government doing is win your best intentions on these pharmaceutical companies, but you really gonna trust Pfizer? Do we want to bring up their track record? Um, and I mean, a four year old could figure this out. you know, and as I said, I wish I wasn't so well researched on this topic. and um you know, I wish I wasn't so outspoken. you know last year I made in September, I made a video talking about how this whole thing's a fucking scam, and it was an hour and forty five long video. With 72 references citing every single claim that I made actually my, my buddy Richard he was the one who's you know was really came in hot with the research um, and uh, yeah I've been very outspoken about it you know I lost my uh, blue tick on uh, Instagram because of uh, violating community guidelines because I, I, I kept posting so much about uh, I said it really doesn't take a genius to figure out this thing has nothing to do with the virus and everything to do with tyrannical control so I just don't want to be a part of a country that that does that. And, you know, if I mo- go to Dubai and Dubai mandates, that sort of stuff. By the way, as I said, for me, it's the fucking easiest thing on earth. Like to, to get a fake certificate takes two seconds. Like it doesn't take. Yeah, m- there's loads of loopholes. i I already seen loads of Instagram stories and people and, 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 saying,
0: if you want this, message me. Yeah. Message. And here,
1: here's the other thing. Just remember, right. And by the way, you know, I th- uh, people, it, it's funny because people, because when I post about this stuff, people go, oh, you're coming from a very privileged place. And to me, it's like, and you know, maybe they mean financially, it's like, well, go fuck yourself. Me and my mom are on government benefits. And my mom actually worked as a receptionist for the NHS. So um, I'm so sorry that, you know, I spent the last, you know, maybe not uh, specifically on my business, but outside, of the- I'm so sorry. I spent the last seven years working my fucking ass off, sacrificing everything to get to a point where, yes, I don't have to follow the rules and I never will, you know? And then people say, oh, but you're very, um, you're speaking from a very privileged place because, you know, you're healthy last year i had a chronic autoimmune condition that i had the most expensive doctors on earth tell me that you'll never be able to solve um literally something called psoriasis there's like two percent of the population that has it except for me all over my body like insane like it was literally fully covered and um you know if it keeps going for a while you end up getting something called uh uh, psoriatic arthritis um so basically if you know it kept going that way. Within mm. 10, 15 years, I'd be in a wheelchair. Yeah. So I was actually in the highest risk category. So while all this stuff was going on, um, I was the highest risk category and I would have never let anyone into my house if they're wearing a mask. Uh, that's a rule of mine. Um, I, you know, as I said, I but have... You wouldn't let them in No chance. If they wasn't? No, if if they were. If they was wearing it? If they were. You Not wouldn't. allowed in my house. Why? Because it's a symbol of evil. Like it's if they worked and if they worked and this was actually about a virus then yeah yeah. let me ask you a question yeah because you seem like an avid believer of this without saying it in a
0: way that could risk my channel being deleted (laughs) (laughs) do you believe
1: there ever was such a thing um or do you think there's a whole so it's it's never been isolated yeah that i'm i'm not sure right mm. that i'm not sure and it, i really have to dive more deeply into there's certain stuff that i know f- for a fact is did you have it um t- well technically yes okay i guess i was if you're asking me if i had a positive yes yeah at one point i did yeah and i was in the gym earlier that morning so that tells you everything you need to know yeah, yeah like you know what happens when you get the flu you you can't get out of bed right so you know whatever fucking happened to just like listening to your body but Anyways, you know, if you're asking me, does it, this thing exist? um, You know, they're in Canada right now. There's actually a place in Canada called uh, Alberta. And um, they actually just stopped all mandates for everything. There's no lockdowns, no masks. And they were one of the most intense about it. Like the strictest, most tyrannical. The reason that they had to drop it is because someone got a fine for $1,200, disputed it. And long story short, through you know, uh, a longer story in a myriad of different ways. They actually ended up coming up against the Canadian government.
0: What was the fine for? uh,
1: Breaking uh, lockdown rules. Okay, yeah. And he goes, he was representing himself. He goes, if you can prove that it's ever been isolated outside of a PCR test, which is the fucking biggest scam on earth, and you've got the creator, Carrie Mullis himself saying, hey, anything above 28 cycles of viral RNA is junk data. What do we do? We do 35 to 45. You know, which is why even someone like myself, I've gotten a positive and a negative in the same day. Explain to me how that works. But anyways, (laughs) um, the reason that this uh, place doesn't do any mandates anymore is because, the get this, the Canadian government was not able to prove that it's ever been isolated because it hasn't, (laughs) right? So if you're asking, you know, does it, I don't, that I don't know, you know, and I don't want to give an opinion on something. I don't know. Uh, I do wonder why the Canadian government itself wasn't able to, you know, uh, provide any evidence that has been isolated. Um, But I can tell you certain stuff for a fact. Uh, The masks don't work. Uh, You've got someone like, uh, you know, Dr. Fauci in 2019 who literally makes a a video, or or sorry, uh, literally uh, released a report that the the 2018 Spanish flu was caused by masks and that thing, right? Um, So yeah, you know, uh, without risk of getting this video demonetized, um, I don't like the way the UK is going. Well, actually, funnily enough, that's the thing that makes me sad. Is because like, the, out of all the countries, the UK is the best. Mm. Man, there's like rallies and protests of like a million, million and a half people. Obviously, you know, the government and BBC will never cover it. But like, I'm so proud of you know. Like I said, I don't consider myself Russian because I moved here when I was four, and I also don't consider myself British, you know. But I guess like I have so much like, uh, I have a lot of like, uh, man, I fucking love, I love the UK, like I. I've always... Uh, uh,
0: you, you need to experience outside of London.
1: Yeah.
0: Got, I, I it, aside from going abroad, have you been around the UK? Yeah, of course, tons. Where?
1: Yeah. Um. Uh, f- I mean, f- uh, Bath, Birmingham, Manchester. Oh, uh, you've, been, you've been around then? Yeah, no, you no, 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 still love around. all those cities as well? Huh? You still love all those cities as well? 100%. I, I love British people. Mm. Like, and by the way, like this is coming from someone who has a 78% US audience. And I say this to US people all the time. I'm like, you guys are so funny because like, like man like us people think they have the best country on it's the biggest shithole i've ever seen you know and i and you I've know i've never been to the us not much special there um you know and of course you know there are some sorry U- to all the american people watching it's funny because I, I unfortunately i sound american but um <laughs> i just love man i love britain like i love british people i love the spirit like you know um and it makes me you know really sad to leave um but as i said this is kind of back in january i made this decision and back then you know it's full you know everything was shut down this that oh in dubai uh, um no in london in uk i think Dubai was as well wasn't it no no it, i mean ever since i think may they they've never done one
0: no they haven't done one
1: but they've had places that have been shut and uh things that you can't do out there if yeah but i mean you compare like point is you could still go to a restaurant Okay, maybe, you know, the club shut down at like, yeah. you know, 12 rather than 3 a.m., oh, right? Yeah. But it's not as, you know, like, I remember a certain point they were like, if you leave your city, you will be fined. Yeah, 100%, yeah. I remember, and I was on a flight the next morning. I was like, <laughs> people are such idiots. They follow the rules, you know? Um, And I'm, you know, I'm all for following the rules if it's ethical and moral. But if you follow the rules and it's unethical and moral, you are the problem. Um, And as I said, this is coming from someone who loves you know i don't know if uh, the other word will flag it so we'll just say the shutdowns i love it nine months a year i told you nine months a year, i don't drink i don't drink caffeine i don't even have sugar you know i do this thing uh that i call monk mode you know so i stay at home and i work 14 hour days you know so i do what i always do except it's great because no one else is doing anything fun so i have no fear of missing out yeah and i said because of all this money printing i've made insane amounts like i've always done well but the last 18 months have been a lot, lot better than I could have ever imagined. Um, so this is someone who's benefited from all this stuff. And I'm still so outspoken. And I just wonder how people have their livelihood, their businesses, everything stripped away from them, their their liberties. And like, they're just accepted. So, um, yeah, you know, uh, I get people asking me, they're like, yeah, but how do you explain, you know, my family member in this, that like, it very well may exist, no, the, you know. But here's the thing: we can speak opinions all day long. Fact: it has the same death rate as the flu. That is a fact. And by the way, as I said, when you have the flu, if 17 days later you have a heart attack, you died from a heart heart attack. Here, if 27 days later you, you die from a heart attack, and you've had a positive, you died from that. There's no question. They don't look into it. Yeah. Explain to me how that makes any sense. Yeah, I no, know, I no. Know. Right. And even with all these inflated numbers, it still is on par with the flu. Look at the CDC's own numbers. So am I saying that there's not something out there? I don't know. And there very well could be. And there's, I know there's people who are sick and ill. And that is, I'm not going to dispute that. If, you know, someone tells me, oh, my family members, like, I'm not going to dispute the fact that there's pain and hardship and there's health issues. And I don't know what it is, right? But the government's response is not for your benefit. They're not there to help you. People need to realize the government is not your friend. They're not there to help you. And they never have. You can look back decades and decades. They've, they've never been there to help you. It's not in your fucking best interest. So, as I said, very easily I could get a fake certificate in this and that. Very easily. And, you know, I've never followed a lockdown rule and it never will. Right. And if Dubai becomes tyrannical, then I'm leaving. And that's actually why I got my Mex- Mexican residency because thing, <laughs> things are quite good there. Uh, and if Mexico's shit, then I'll. So
0: the Bible doesn't see and Mexican residency.
1: Yeah, and I'm about to get a uh I'm also gonna get a Georgian passport, uh, diplomatic. Um So what do you do? what
0: would you do? Just just a random one, if the whole world was following the way that, you know, UK is
1: gonna go, France, Italy. Uh, move to a forest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, dude, I'm I hear that like, is the point when you create your own country. Dude, I'm stubborn and I know ninety nine percent of people will be like, dude, just what, what's the big deal in putting on a a mask, and I totally get it. I know I'm so stubborn with this stuff, but I, I just have there's certain morals and principles that like I don't know. I told you from day one, I always knew I'm just gonna do it my way, and it gets me in trouble a lot. Um, but I don't care. Whatever. Like, I, I don't want to sell my soul to the devil, so that you know, was led you to the position that you are in today. So, yeah, you know. And then Dubai. Um, you know, I lo- I was looking at a few different places, Italy. Because um, obviously the thing is I'm, I'm going to leave the UK and go through this massive change. I want to be compensated for it in the form of tax savings. Um, so yeah, you know, I was looking at Italy, they have like a flat 100k k year uh, tax scheme for um, uh, for uh, expats. Uh, so I was like, sick, I can move to Italy and pay like flat 100k a year. That's amazing. Awesome. I'm moving to Italy. But as I said, you know, I don't like the way that they're going um so yeah Dubai will be my base and you know who knows maybe it'll be a horrendous decision and I'm gonna you know regret it and uh get sick of all the artificial everything because you know me I you know I live in even where I live in London you know you know I don't have a car because I I live in Knightsbridge and I walk everywhere and I like culture and I like beautiful buildings and this and that and Dubai is (laughs) not that at all uh and who knows you know maybe I end up hating it but uh, and yeah this it's a very strong possibility. but uh in my position right now it feels like the right move um so i guess only time will tell fair enough um so before we wrap this podcast up i want to
0: ask you a question don't have to answer it what does your tax bill look like <laughs> because obviously the only reason why i'm asking this yeah is because obviously dubai is zero percent yeah for sure and here okay instead of asking what's your tax
1: bill look like what's the percentage bracket that you got to pay Well, of course, I mean, as I said, this year I'll probably do, I mean, we'll, we'll totally see, depending on investments as well, as I said, um, you know, because a large part of my portfolio is in cryptocurrencies. Mm. Um, but I think this year I'll probably do 10, 10 mil pre-tax. Um, so one of the uh, very lucky things is, uh, in the UK, you don't have to pay any exit tax. So that saves me a lot of money, but then again, capital gains is, is pretty low, but, um, yeah, if you're asking me what tax bracket I mean, of course I'm in the highest one. Yeah, so, I can uh, tell. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. And yeah, you'll be living, be able to earn all of it in Dubai.
1: Yep. So it will be a good little saving. And uh, I mean, like either way, I, I I will not raise my kids in Dubai. You know, a hundred percent. You would have raised them then. No, so no. Where
0: would you raise your kids?
1: I I have full intention of returning back to UK as long as it's um I feel aligned with where it's at.
0: Um, you know I need to join you Out in Dubai Vlog it Bit of the lifestyle And probably Possibly do a part 2 there
1: There we go yes. Yeah dude We'll do it in the, uh, the new apartment I told When you. are you going? Uh, I get the keys to my place Actually tomorrow But I won't be there For another 3 weeks So probably Right at the end of August Yeah oh. I
0: might be going there Mid September So if you lot want to see a part 2 Make sure you let us know nah no, they they're
1: like this dude is so fucking insane <laughs> yeah they're gonna to want to see it exactly that's what I'm like
0: let's hear more conspiracy theories that's <laughs> one of the one of them ones. Uh, but I hope you lot all enjoyed this podcast the main thing is comment your feedback and your thoughts let me know what you thought and once again I want to thank you very much for making this happen no oh, man yeah thanks. <laughs> for I much. appreciate you coming on until next time guys I'll catch you on the next episode of CEO Cost. you <laughs> Challenge so me. <laughs> subscribe do everything you need to do yeah